morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast. Let's cut straight to it. We have a new batch of world champions to discuss. I'm back from my weekend in Leuven and reunited with my co-host Tom. Tom, how are you? <laughs> reunited uh, at the safe distance between London and Newcastle rather than Belgium and Italy. Yeah, Reunited electronically, <laughs> digitally with my co-host Tom. I'm good. I'm looking forward, well, not really looking forward to getting into all of these races, which I've just told you off air that I haven't been able to watch live at all. So I've done my catching up on my journey back from Italy this morning. Yeah, you know what, Tom, that's absolutely fine. You know, people have to take some time off. Uh, maybe not around the World Championships. You could have done it, you know, around now the Tour of Sicily or whatever's on at the moment. But, you know, this is fine. No, I said last time we were on air, I should have, I should have pushed it back a week and then I would have been right in northern Italy for the uh, trio of races you get up there and, and Lombardia at the end of it would have been absolutely brilliant. Well, I guess, you know, I guess the cheap flights aren't going to uh, work around your schedule and the bike races sometimes. No, sadly not. So that's enough on that next year. But obviously you were in Leuven, so talk us through it. How was it? I'll tell you what, Tom, it was amazing. Um, it was like I was living in a dreamland in a way. It was like a giant festival of cycling you'd walk through the town at night and there's people out you know having their dinner wearing caskets national colors flags draped around their necks uh, not in like a horrible nationalistic way either in like a kind of friendly jovial way um and everybody was just talking to anybody about bike racing which is you know kind of how my dreams play out sometimes um i'd say it was a bit like a cycling mecca but i think that's probably an insensitive way to put it considering how much stellar artois was flowing around um i also felt you know what? i also felt quite invested in the home crowds because i was staying a couple of streets over from jasper sturvan's family home uh which was about 300 meters south of the finish line um i was staying with my flatmate's family uh flatmate in london's family and she went to school with jasper when she was a kid um they used to do school projects together they used to walk home together um she you know, told me about her friendship with Jasper Sturvan after he won Milan San Remo and was like, oh yeah, one of my mates from primary school won uh, some big race. And I was like, you're talking about Jasper Sturvan winning Milan San Remo. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I got to, uh, so that kind of, I, I had that narrative in the background. So I was quite disappointed when he missed out on the podium, but you know, it was good to see him lighten up the race. He did have the small consolation that you bought some of his chocolates though. Yeah, they had a love, I'd, I'd, you know, his family are chocolatiers. That's you know, not exactly the most disguised information about Jasper Sturvan's life and yeah they had a nice stand and I bought some uh, UCI themed chocolates which are, are lovely and I look forward to getting stuck into. Excellent well you arrived on when did you arrive? Into Leuven or? In, into Leuven. I arrived into Leuven on Friday so I was there just in time for the uh, under 23s road race. Well the floor is yours then, because this is definitely a race that I haven't seen. <laughs> Let's start there. Uh, not much to say about the Under-23s road race. Uh, an interesting one. Uh, we have an interview, which we'll put in just after this, with Lewis Askey uh, of FDJ, who will be turning pro next season. Um, he came fifth, but was quite disappointed with that, as you'll be able to sense from the interview. But yeah, it was a, an Italian winner, which we also saw in the uh, in the women's road race. Yeah, came as a bit of a show. Right, well, Get this out early as well. None of my predictions were even close to being true in the end. Really quite disappointing. Um, and none more so than in the women's race where the Dutch 
just I oh, maybe, I guess they got second, but that seemed to be more about Marianne Voss being still very very quick rather than anything else. Because tactically, the Italians seemed to um, seem to just pull the rug out from underneath them a bit, didn't they? Well, it's a shame. Uh, obviously, both of us predicted Demi Vollering to win, and she got dealt some very bad luck. Uh, on Quite that early flight. on, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. I think it was the first time they hit the Flandrian loop. One, I did. They only did it once when they hit the Flandrian loop, um, and she. Yeah, her, I think her, somebody had gone into the back of her earlier on and every time she tried to shift down gears on the climbs, her chain dropped, uh, which is not very good when you're trying to get momentum up a 10% cobbled climb. Um, she was very distraught after the race, actually. Maybe that, maybe not very distraught, but she was in the press zone talking to the Dutch press just next to me. And um, she was reduced to tears by them. Uh, and I don't know if that was... Are you sure that wasn't just- because she was just next to you? No, I think they were probing her about what had gone wrong. And I don't think she'd fully digested, you know, I think she had a very important role to play. And I think when you look at the end of that race, what Mariana Voss was missing was somebody to lead her out. And that was probably what Demi Vollering's role was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, But she was telling the Dutch press this and then suddenly her hands go over her face. She starts crying. She was very disappointed. Uh, I think I think she has a lot of pressure on herself. She's won a lot of big races this year. Uh, Liege-Bastogne-Liege, La Course. Uh, and really wanted to help Mariana in this race and, and wasn't able to. The Dutch as well, you'll be able to see, because we've got interviews with um, Anna van der Bregen and Annemiek van Vleuten. Van Vleuten is not one in the interview to hide her emotions if she's not happy with something. And uh, I think that will really come through in how kind of sharp and direct she was with me, which I found quite awkward still on the other side of the barrier. But, um, you know, she's just raced a race. They haven't won. The Dutch are expected to win. And uh, she was disappointed, to say the least. Yeah, and so obviously while that was happening with the Dutch, the the winner was another Italian winner, Elisa Balsamo. Uh, I didn't really get much wind of that, despite the fact that I was in Italy. Uh, I still think you had to be... Uh, like I said about Filippo Gano winning the Filippo Gano. Filippo Gano. Ah, Filippo Gano. I'd buy Guinness, please. Filippo Gano. Um, <laughs> winning the time trial <laughs> the week before, uh, earlier in the week. T- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't really, um, didn't really seem to hit the headlines where I was, um, unless you're, unless you're really looking for it. But, you know, when push comes to shove, the Italians do know their cycling and are an incredibly successful cycling nation and have two of the monuments in their country. But, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just that time of year. Maybe I guess Elisa Balsamo is not, you know, the Italians I know could all speak to you about Vincenzo Nibali and people like that. Maybe she's not quite a household name yet. I get she's only 23. So, yeah. This, and I think this yeah. is the point. I think if if Elisa Longo-Borghini had won, she is a name mm. that people know better than Elisa Balsamo. I don't think it's unfair to say that, particularly to people who mainly follow the men's peloton and have, who are very new to the women's peloton, that they won't know who Elisa Balsamo is. And this is probably why she was very unexpected. It was very unexpected for her to win because she hasn't really got the Palmares to be feared, to be honest. She said after the race that, well, she admitted after the race that she probably wasn't the strongest rider uh, and that she just happened to win on her day. But she rode phenomenally well. Um, She is a, what was she, the under 23 European road champion. She won the junior world championships. Um, It's her second second rainbow jersey. Yeah, so, I mean, 
she's not one to, you know, to be uh, to turn your nose up at. And she really took her chance. Yeah. I mean, anytime you beat Marianne Voss to the line, you've probably put in a pretty decent shift. So I wouldn't wouldn't belittle her achievement too much. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Elise Balsamo was a previous junior world champion. I also got to go to the Women's Junior World Championship race. And that was, if I'm honest, maybe my favourite moment of the weekend in total. Watching Zoe Backstead come over that line was... Well, I don't know. I'm short of adjectives, to be honest, because she she came around first and I showered some very strong encouragement at her. Bear in mind that this was at like half nine in the morning. Um, I'd be very interested to know what time Zoe had to get up for that race. Because they shoved this on so early when, you know, other people had just arrived, like Friday, it was a Saturday morning. So like whoever was out on the Friday night wasn't going to be up for that one. But yeah, she was so good. Wasn't expected to win the sprint. Um, Kaya Schmidt, the very small American, was uh, really looking quite steely faced for the entirety of the Leuven circuits. And then Baxter just kicked into her in the sprint. Um what I really enjoyed was in the mix zone afterwards, there was not that many people there for the junior women's road race. And Zoe Baxter came in a little bit later after kind of some of the press had cleared out. Um, she'd obviously done the podium and she walked into the press tent with this just wonderful swagger of somebody who's obviously just become world champion, but it wasn't like a muted professionalism. It was just like big grin on her face. Anybody who wanted to talk to her, she was desperate to talk to. Um, of all the riders that weekend who came through the press tent, there was kind of two barriers and they would come on the other side and they'd kind of just like trundle up with their bike, look you in the eyes and be like, right, thrust your phone in my face and let's have a chat. And then I want to move on and get a water bottle and go back to the car. Um, she came straight over, puts both of her hands on the metal barrier and leans in like, right, come on, let's do it. What's happening? I, I would be absolutely buzzing. I guess... If you'd managed to get hold of Elisa Balsamo or Julian Alaphilippe, when you've won, you probably do want to talk to anyone. But the nature of the thing is, especially uh, you know, for us, we're not getting that much time, if any, with the winners, are we? Uh, so when you get down to the smaller category races and someone's just won, they probably would be buzzing to speak to literally anyone who will listen and go over it and over it and over it as many times as possible. Yeah, again, and it's something that like I, the interview I did with her i really enjoy doing and she as i say she comes across just incredibly enthusiastic positive um she's a phenomenal talent and i hopefully you know we'll see a lot more of her in the women's peloton in a few years down the line um that aside though we then had i guess what was billed as the main event on sunday I which I have was... just given it away by mentioning julian anaphilippe but uh yeah, yeah. well let's talk about julian anaphilippe tom because i've been sending you voice notes ever since Sunday of me singing the song that the uh, the French were singing through Leuven on Sunday night, which I'll spare the listener to, but it's it's a very simple rendition of da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, oh, I was almost going to sing it then. I've completely missed the note. But it's that little, you know, making a few notes and they just say à la Philippe quite loudly. Um, I was very pleased with it. You know, I, I was. We neither of us predicted it. But I mean, that's not really saying anything because we very rarely get our predictions right. Though. Oh, as I say, at least I didn't categorically rule him out this year. Yeah, there were um, a lot of narratives at play in that race. Um, let's start with the French, who played tactically, uh, I would say, an almost perfect race. 
Uh, yeah, they did. I, they just made it difficult, didn't they? They were a nuisance to everyone else there. They just had everyone attacking all the time, from what I could gather. So you said that there was a tweet I saw today by at French Bunch on Twitter, obviously, um, who counted 18 attacks or accelerations by French riders in the race. So you had Anthony Tergis, Benoit Cosnefroy, Valentin Madouas, just constantly from like 200 kilometers to go, accelerating, ripping just the race apart. Nibbling away. Yeah. Alaphilippe himself, first attacks at 50 kilometers to go. Again, trying to really reduce it to a very small select front group, which you generally always get at the World Championships. Um, and I think actually, if you look back to the women's junior women's road race, you realize it was kind of foreshadowing in a way what would happen with this, because it showed that if a rider can get off the front, specifically on that course where there's not really any big climbs or big descents is a lot of bends and you can get out of the sight of the pack behind you very easily. It's quite easy to just kick in out of the corners and build that time up, which is obviously what Alaphilippe's plan was. He didn't want to bring it down to a sprint. Um, the Italians, the Belgians did want to bring it down to a sprint and the French did their very best and very effectively did it to, to stop that from happening. Yeah. It was different from his, uh, win last year obviously we that he's doubled up and retained his title uh, in that he attacked quite late last year on that circuit at, where was it I was just want to say Monza but it was the other circuit it's Imola wasn't it yeah um, and whereas this time as you say he attacked first with um, 50 something K to go I think it was 58 I can't remember 50, around 50 it was about anyway. 50Ks to go then he goes yeah. again at 21Ks and, um, the, and the one he made stick was his third attack and um as I said, last last year he crossed the line, you know, with head over his shoulders. He was desperately looking back. He had a matter of seconds, whereas this time he was able to, in his own words, just take in all the booze from the Belgians at the side of the road and um, and cruise over the line. He gave an amazing interview afterwards where, oh, I can't remember what he said. I sent it to you, Tom, and it was something like him saying he wanted to thank all of the Belgians who were booing him at the side of the road because it gave him extra encouragement to go on and win. Yep. You're not very Great. happy about this. Why are you not happy about this? I just don't really like Alaphilippe. Right. Do you want to hash this out? Why do you not like Alaphilippe? I think, and I think this was my response to you once, because he had the nerve to be, I can't even remember which Yates brother it was, but one of them came <laughs> down on, one of them came down on a descent uh, in, in the tour a few years ago, uh, was, was comfortably winning the stage, had gone over the top clear. And uh, Alaphilippe was coming down, like whiz past poor Simon or Adam, who was on his back at the time, uh, and then got to the line and was just like, oh yeah, I had great legs. It was a really good day for me. I was like, you, you only won because the other guy fell off. You haven't actually beaten him. There's... Oh. Can I just say the whole point you've made there, um, I will not have to go back into the archives of this podcast to find you saying the key to winning a bike race is staying on your bike. Yeah. I, I don't dispute that, but if someone else ahead of you comes off, you've not like you've not out endured. You know, it's not it's not the same. That's I think that is. I, look, I'll be honest. I'm completely against you here. I think that's part of the sport, and if they come off, that is their mistake. Uh, it anyway. is their mistake. I, I no, I, I don't I don't dispute that. But you want to beat people on the road, and if you have beaten someone because they've come off, you don't then have this like arrogant French air about you that only only Julian Alaphilippe and everyone else in France can. I'll be honest, but if I was... <laughs> I'm going to uh, turn this into a really anti-France episode. <laughs> <laughs> not good. 
Let's bear it. Look, when you get very anti-French, it's worth bearing in mind that both of us have Live, you know lived degrees in France, in France and can France. speak French. Yeah, so like this isn't like you're not being genuinely very xenophobic. This is all you know, tongue in cheek. Um, if I were Julian Philippe and I was a multiple-time world champion, wear of the yellow jersey, I would be a hell of a lot more arrogant than he actually is. But maybe that's, more, maybe that's maybe that's more reflection on me. I don't mind out and out arrogance when, when when you've got like Usain Bolt or Cristiano Ronaldo who are just so, oh, like you know, unbearable, but also the best at what they do. Julian's got this little sly. It's like he's. Oh. I'm not, look. I'm honest, Tom. I'm not happy about how you've turned this episode, which is supposed to be a celebration of France's goateed prince Julian Alaphilippe one of my favourite bike riders of all time, yeah, into this... Panacea. Mag- I, can actually, I can actually see his little slimy face poking out behind you in that picture you have on your shelf. Don't bother. <laughs> Just don't bother. Right, let's jump into it. We have some of my audio diaries uh, from the races in Leuven. We've got some interviews. We will start with Lewis Askey's interview after the men's under-23 road race. Then we'll give you Zoe Backstead's uh, interview. Then we'll jump into the women's road race with my audio diaries. And we have interviews for you from Lizzie Dignan, Anna van der Bregen, and Annemiek van Vleuten. Uh, and then for the men's road race, sadly, I had some technical issues. Um, but fortunately for us, um, we have been saved last minute by Sive of Velo News, who has kindly provided uh, the interview she recorded with Tom Pidcock. Uh, as well as Kate, who is the founder of Derailer, has also written for Pro Cycling, has featured on the Cycling Podcast. Uh, she passed on the interview that she did with Mate Mohoric, who she recently profiled for Pro Cycling. Um, both of those riders, Pidcock and Mohoric, played a very crucial role in, in animating the race on Sunday. So it's very interesting to hear, hear what they say and their experiences in Flanders. So uh, let's jump into those. Enjoy. Lewis. Fifth overall after what seems to be quite a messy race. You must be pleased with that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we came here for the win, so uh, yeah, please, please isn't really the word. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's fifth of world champs, but at the end of the day, we come here to win, and we didn't come away with that. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to be pleased, it's because of how the boys rode. They rode really well. I don't think there was much more we could have done in that situation. I think. Uh, we rode fairly well and the boys at the start rode awesome today to put us in the right place at the right time without us having to expend any energy. So, um, yeah, I think hats off to the lads at the start. And then uh, me and Sam just had to talk together at the end and we both weren't feeling amazing, amazing. Um, but at the end of a race like that, you're never going to. So we both did the sprint sort of for ourselves, but starting at different points in the bunch. So uh, so if, like, if it was better to be at the front, we had someone there. And if it was better to start a bit further back, we had someone there. And... In the end, uh, yeah, it was. I, I didn't really know what happened at the front, but there was splits, so I just had to go really, really early and uh, commit to the line because the medals were going away. And at the end, I didn't. I mean, I gave a really good lead out, I suppose, to the guys on my wheel. But um, that's racing. You can't like. You can't always. You can't always have it exactly as you want it. So. And we saw you in the last lap to put in a big dig to kind of bring yourself back into contention. Did that take quite a lot out of you? Um. Honestly, I, I mean. I probably uh, should have committed a bit more to that than I did, but um, I sort of knew there was a lot of guys, like, if anything, I was feeling pretty good on the last time up the steep hill, um, but I sort of lost my speed as a few guys didn't go, so I'm regretting a little bit not going there because I was feeling pretty easy, 
Um, and then after that, it was only because I shouted to Sam, like, what do you want? And he said, go, go. So I sort of, I went, but I was not really expecting it and ready for it. And uh, yeah, I think it, it kept the bunch going a little bit, but yeah. I, well done, Zoe, first of all, happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you very much. I can't think of a better way to celebrate, really. No, I can't think of a better way either. This was uh, kind of tops it, I think. Yeah, it seemed like a perfect ride from you. You started the winning attack, finished it off. Let me know what was going through your mind in those last kind of couple of hundred metres. Um, we'd just been talking the whole race and I knew she was strong because she was pulling some quite strong turns and... Yeah, my legs are hurting going over the climbs, but um, that's no different to anyone else, I think. But last few Ks, we were just saying to each other, just get it back to the finish and we'll ride it out. And we got it back and she started to sprint a little bit earlier. I knew that if I stayed calm and I waited that a little bit longer, that 150, 200 metres to go, then I could stay out the side of the whole way and just sprint the line and I got the edge. Of course. I'm not sure anyone's told you this yet, but your dad said on commentary that he had tears running down his face. <laughs> as you crossed the line. It looked like an emotional one for you too. Yeah, I, I literally started crying as soon as I crossed the line. Like, I've wanted this for so long and I came to the race today knowing that I could do it. I had it, I had it in me, but to pull out the bag, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to cry now. <laughs> Congratulations, Junior World Champion. Thank well you. Done. Well Thanks. deserved. Here we are, day two off the road races. Um, we've had a couple of embarrassing moments this morning. One for myself and one for the UCI stewards. Uh, the first one for me was uh, when Zoe Baxter won the Junior World Championship. Um, I lost all sense of professionalism uh, at the finish line there. Um, obviously, all the press watching it in the area, lots of cameras, all the you know rights holders and all of that. And uh, as soon as she crossed, everyone else kind of stayed very mutedly professional. Uh, and I screamed yes and clapped my hands very loudly, uh, which got me a few stares. Um, then I think people saw the British badge on the press pass and thought, you know what, we'll let him off. Um, second embarrassing moment was when Cadell Evans walked into the mix zone, um, asking where the VIP zone is so that he can sit and watch the race. Uh, Cadell Evans, who this year is celebrating the 10-year anniversary of him winning the World Championships himself, um, and the UCI stewards had absolutely no idea who he was. Uh, to be fair, he had a, a mask on, um, but it was quite clearly him with his little beady eyes. Um, so yeah, he walks on, and the uh, I turned to the UCI stewards like, "You do know that was Cad Evans?" They were like, "No, it wasn't. He has a British accent." I was like, "That is Australian." Anyway, you know that's you know the, the UCI get a lot of stick, and uh, I'm starting to see why. But here we are. We've got the. Uh, Women's road race underway. I've got a can of Fanta lemons to keep me going in the sunshine. And it's looking to be a beautiful day. I'll check back in in a bit. About 60k to go in the women's road race now. Uh, it is not looking good for our predictions, if I'm honest. Demi Vollering has had two mechanicals, uh, both times when the, the road has gone uphill on the Bergs on the Flandrian circuit. Uh, it looks like either her change dropped or there's been some issue with her gearing, but she's had to get off. And to be fair to her, she managed to get back on the saddle on what looked like 8% cobbles, which, uh, you know, I, I struggle to do on, on the flat sometimes. So she's got a bit to go to get herself back on. But um, if anyone could do it, Demi can. Well, that was a turnout for the books. Elisa Balsamo is the new women's road race world champion. Uh, the Dutch dynasty is over and uh, they didn't seem to be too pleased in the mixed zone at the end. I mean, obviously, 
Mariana Voss took the silver, which is, I think, as we all know in these races, rather forgettable, unless you're me, who remembers Roman Bardet's silver in Innsbruck very, very fondly. Um, yeah, f good racing by the Dutch. I mean, they, they lit it up. Van Vluten said that their idea was to try and drop the, the big sprinters in, in on the hills. Not sure it went to plan. Obviously, um, they were out sprinting at the end. Um, and Van der Bregen seemed pretty chill. She, she didn't seem to be too upset. I've just seen her head back out onto the course, hand in hand with who I assume is a partner, just kind of lapping up the last few moments of uh, her last World Championships, which was a really beautiful sight, actually. Um, but yeah, that Saturday finished at the World Championships. We have the men's road race tomorrow, um, where we will potentially see the, uh, the last of Julian Alaphilippe's reign as world champion. My plan was to try and surf wheels. I wanted to try and stick to Voss's wheel, but obviously that was a highly uh, contended wheel and um, I just lost it on that last corner and just never came back really. Was, was the plan always to ride for you? Obviously Anna was at the front, but she had more there to close down attacks. Uh, yeah, we were joint leaders, so I mean tactically I didn't feel that I'd really get the space anyway in the final lap. Um, so it was about her taking the opportunities where they came and me waiting for the sprint. How are you feeling about Paris Bay next week? Uh, yeah, excited. I mean, it's going to be a phenomenal race and quite different to this. It will be kind of a, a bit of a hack, I suppose, and I think that's where I'm kind of at at the moment. I don't think it'll be about speed, though, which is a relief. It'll just be about strength, and I, I felt strong today, so... Like, I really expected more fireworks on the climbs around Overizer, and it didn't happen, so... Uh, you know, I saved so much energy thanks to my teammates on that circuit, so we did what we could. Yeah, it was, it was special today, special race. Of course, in the beginning, I was just focused to do my job and uh, to try to do well. And then I could feel, okay, I'm, I'm, it's finished. <laughs> yeah, big time. So uh, then we had actually two last laps here on the circuit quite easy. And that was really special just to see so many people um, yeah, saying goodbye to me and saying thank you. Yeah, and, and not only the people on the side of the road, but also from my group, they, they also could feel it special that so many people are there and, and cheering. So uh, I think it was a pretty special last race and I'm happy I could do it. How did it feel this morning waking up and knowing that it was going to be the last time that you came kind of... Uh, your numbers on and, and enter a race. Yeah, pretty good, I must say. <laughs> I think, yeah, I also worked towards this this day, actually. So I'm also quite happy that, that it's finished now and I yeah can do different things. So, um, yeah. Anna, you're a multiple-time world champion and we saw you today collecting bottles for your teammates. Was that nice to be at their service today? Well, not nice. I mean, I... I prefer to be just in my, my good shape and, and try to yeah, help them totally in front, uh, not, not collecting bottles, but it's, it's how the situation was today and then I'm happy to, to do my job and to still can do something for the girls. We saw you have a few attacks out there today, how were the legs? Yeah, really good. Was, was the final course maybe not tough enough for you? You're usually quite good on a more on a hillier terrain. For me personally, no, but uh, I think it's also uh, more nice to have uh, such courses also. Of course. And what was the plan today? Was it to ride for Mariana in the sprint? 
no, it was just like to have a really hard race to drop the real sprinters like Lotto Kopecki, uh, Corinne Riviera. So partly we succeeded, but we could not drop everyone. And this is the first time in five years that the Dutch haven't won the gold in the uh, women's road race. Are you guys disappointed or are you kind of still pleased with... with how the race went. I'm super disappointed for Mariana. I would love to see her in the rainbow jersey. Well done, Stanamik. Thank you. Okay, it's the final day. We're here at the men's race. There's a, what? We're about 120k out, I think. And it seems, oh, here we go. Here's the helicopter. Now we're serious. Now we mean business. Um, yeah, so there seems to have been a bit of uh, bit of trouble this morning Mads Pedersen I think has been down a couple of times we've had a few Belgian roadblocks Remco's looking like he might go rogue so uh, yeah a lot of narratives at play today and we will see how they play out okay 100k's to go now and I'll tell you what this Leuven circuit which hasn't done that much damage to the other races has absolutely decimated the men's race now I'm not sure it's because they've already got 170 odd kilometers in their legs um, but we've just had it announced that Mark Cavendish has pulled out. I've just seen Rory Townsend pull out. Davide Ballerini's pulled out. Trenton's pulled out. Shackman's pulled out. Um, the Belgians are pulling on the front, and their plan is obviously just to set a really high pace around this circuit and shake off anyone that could potentially contest Wout van Aert in the sprint. So the game plan's working for them at the moment. We will see if it will continue to work as we get into the, uh, the closing moments of this race. We're into the final lap now. We have 15 kilometers to go. Alaphilippe is off the front himself, which is very predictable. He's burning a lot of matches. He's got Paulus, Steuben, Valgren, and Van, Van Bala following him. That is not a top five anyone would have predicted. Van Aert seems to have been distanced, and Steuben is riding for himself here. Um, we'll see. It is. I'm getting almost tearful watching Alaphilippe's valiant, valiant defence of his rainbow jersey. He wants to keep it for another year. He very well could, and we will know in about 20 minutes' time. Oh. <laughs> there you have it. Julian Alaphilippe has done it again. Second year running. Oh. I'm speechless. This is amazing. Uh, I'm too busy staring at Alaphilippe, but I have absolutely no idea who's come second and third there. Um, Alaphilippe is about 20 metres away from me, surrounded by cameras, surrounded by his team. He has just become, well, I say become, he has retained his rainbow bands. He is still the world champion and very, very deservedly so. It's a tough circuit, this. It's not easy to get away. It's not easy to catch people as well. I mean, there's not really very any long climbs or any long descents for anyone to make up time. But he stayed away. He put his head down. Here is Zdenik Stiba just come across and given him a massive hug. And here's his team. Incredible effort from Maduas and Seneschal as well. They're all queuing up to congratulate him. Van der Poel's there. Van der Poel and Van Aert seem to mark each other out of this today. They finished about 30, 40 seconds down. Oh, this is incredible. This is incredible.
we were we were proper racing almost all the day, you know, 270k racing, and yeah, so for me to have yeah that in my legs at the end, I think that's a really good sign. I feel really well from the weather, and uh, yeah, just 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 play my cars, run a bit of uh, inexperience, I guess. It was unbelievable racing. It was like we're racing the stadium on, on roads. That was a long race. Yeah, it was a long race, and uh, yeah, uh, at the end everybody uh, was pretty empty, I guess, uh, at least me. So uh, I couldn't really do much better than that. I could, I don't think I could change anything. I did my best, and uh, yeah, today uh, some of the guys just had more glycogen left in their muscles in those final two laps. So uh, yeah, I gave it my best shot. I'm proud of how we rode as a team. I will pay this favor back to the guys in the future when the parkour will be more suited to them. And uh, yeah. So you were the leader then? I was the leader, yes. Uh, I mean, not the alone, the, uh, the only leader, but uh, I was the, the guy that was saving uh, uh, legs most for the final. So uh, the others were following attacks earlier to keep us out of uh, staying on the back foot and having to pull the group back to, being, to stay in contention. So uh, they spent more energy before. But I think we all spent all the energy by the end. So uh, yeah. That's uh, how this race was. It was just about who had the most gas left in the end, and uh, the strongest guys—not the strongest, the most—the uh, guys with most stamina—were up there uh, in the final, and I think they really, de really deserve these medals. Yeah, that was all very interesting. Good to hear. It looked—I'll be honest—like a very, very. I know you said it was the, some sort of mecca at the beginning, but it looked a fantastic trip to be at, and I would assume on sunday night after all the races you got yourself straight to the stellar brewery did you uh i was very look tom i had to be up at like well silly silly o'clock the next morning i was on the like nine o'clock train but i wanted to out, be sure i'm one of those early birds at train stations out so of brussels I, or out of leuven out of brussels so i i yeah. left the house i was staying in in leuven at well just before six o'clock in the morning but i shared a nice 12 percent trappist beer with my host uh, and then headed on back to uh, to Brussels. That's it. That's the World Championships done. We've given... This is like the Olympics closing ceremony. Once we've got our thoughts on it, that's it. They're done. The flame goes out for a year. And It's like it's like the Christmas tree coming down. It's all finished yeah. now. <laughs> and uh, we will be back shortly. Yeah, look... We're not sure exactly when. We're, we're not sadly providing you with a, a preview for Paris-Roubaix. Um, it's all a, the Italian classics, which I love. All the Italian classics, which are you know very well known how they usually play out. Um, we'll be back with our thoughts on those once they've happened. I'm very, very much looking forward to the first ever edition of a women's Paris Roubaix. Um, and it looks like it might rain. And it, yeah, say it quietly, <laughs> but it could rain. Uh, there's a lot of debate going on about that at the moment, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's probably a bad thing, if we're honest. Like, you get enough crashes in Paris-Roubaix when it's dry and dusty anyway. Um, the rain is obviously going to accentuate that and it's going to be very mucky. But it's more just the fact that we don't get it very often and you just want to see how different it's going to make the race. Will, people, will it go slower? Will people take the corners, you know, easier? Will there maybe be less crashes because people are more cautious? Who knows? Hopefully this weekend we will find out. 
We will. You've already tweeted today how scared you are of the Arenberg Trench, so uh, that's plenty to look forward to on its own. It's just a terrifying long road, and any picture anybody takes of it, there's just this like abyss at the end where the vanishing point is, <laughs> and you can't see it. And for all you know, it just goes on for eternity of just bone rattling cobbles, uh, and that is, you know, that's where the spookiness comes into it. But I guess we're approaching Halloween, so it makes sense. Yeah, very appropriate. Well, we will be back for that. Uh, sometime next week I guess Uh, in the meantime we'll be on social media I'll do my bit here and say you can find us at what is it it's been a long time T-T-P-D-C-S-T is that right yeah I've said this I've said this done this 50 times T-T-P-D-C-S-T T-T podcast with all the vowels taken out Twitter and Instagram yeah cool uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed being in Leuven and kind of collating all of this for you guys. Um, let us know your thoughts, as Tom said, on our Twitter page, our Instagram page. And uh, we look forward to getting back to you very soon with our thoughts on the Autumn Classics. So thank you very much and uh, take care. Thanks, everyone.